Welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. Where our commitment is to bring the Lordship of Jesus Christ to life, and that includes every aspect of our lives, which makes this podcast incredibly relevant because just about anything we want to talk about, uh, Jesus has something to say about it. And uh, we're going to continue focusing on uh, what his Lordship means to our daily lives as we begin looking at all the things that are going on in the world and trying to make some sense out of it. In fact, you know, I was just got a phone call from somebody today who was talking about the uh, sermon series we're in right now called Me, and I encourage people to tune into that because we're talking about a lot of issues that folks are dealing with. We've been talking about expressive individualism and the, the kind of the radical sexualization of our culture. Uh, and that, come, you know, ideas have consequences. We preach that in this podcast, and and bad ideas have bad consequences. And uh, the man who called me this morning has a has a sister who uh, came out of a lot of brokenness and, and abusive background, and is now exploring a transgender lifestyle as a man. And uh, and he was just thanking me for preaching the series that we're focusing on because these issues are real and they're all around us and they're largely the fruit of exactly what we've been talking about, you know, in this book. So uh, we thank you for tuning in. And if you know uh, anybody that's dealing with these types of issues of of, uh, sexuality um, and trying to find themselves in the crazy world that we live in today, make sure you tune in to uh, lstones.org and go to the media page and you can watch uh, our, our sermon series. I think we're on our fifth week this week, and it's been very, very helpful. A lot of good, good feedback from people, and I hope it's helpful uh, for you. But um, we've got a lot of great stuff going on at Living Stones. We always like to start off this podcast just by letting you know what's happening, so you can take advantage of it. And why don't we start with tomorrow? Tomorrow night, Friday night. Yeah, Friday night we have our worship night. It's going to be an exciting time. Our worship team's been working very hard. Yeah. On this, we got a few surprises. And this is a highlight for our people. You know, we, we you know if you ever been to Living Souls on Sunday morning, you know the challenges that we're facing right now. We've got three services, which means. We have a very limited time, and we're packing it as much as we can. And I think one of the things people love about Living Stones is the worship. Um, that's what we're one of the things that we're we're known for. People love uh, to experience the presence of the Lord. And our biggest frustration is we just don't have enough time to squeeze it all in on Sunday morning. So, so Friday night will give you a chance to just come and relax and worship. And uh, we're gonna do nothing but sit at the feet of Jesus. It starts at seven o'clock. And, uh, and that's going to be amazing. Yeah. So get here soon. Absolutely. Also, men's and women's encounters coming. Yeah. Why are these important, Pastor Andrew? I, I harp on it every week, but uh, so, talk to some man out there who needs to go to the men's encounter. Yeah, I mean, really, the men's encounter is a jump start into your walk with Christ. You know, um, so many times we come to church. And, you know, we come to church regularly, and that's a good thing. We want that. But yeah. uh, sometimes we don't get to the deeper hearts of our our, our, our wounds, our hurts yeah. from the past. And we can dig out some of the, start to deal, start the process of dealing with some of these, these issues. And you're surrounded by a great men, group of men of God yeah. who, who's been praying for you, who's been, uh, who's, who's there to minister to you, to love you, and kind of meet you where you're at. And that's yeah. really a great condition for that, great place for that. You know, you said something really profound. A lot of times we don't, pause to really get down to the roots of some of the problems that we have. And so we come to church and maybe somebody prays with us, we give our life to the Lord, and then we're going to try to be this good Christian man, and we wonder why we have, why we're failing all the time. We're feeling like we just aren't getting it. We're not, we're not getting free. Uh, and that's because we've never taken the time to really deal with the deeper issues. Yeah. So I want to encourage the men, you know, we're, we always lag behind. Uh, the ladies' encounter is 
at a waiting point list once again. And um, that, that means we're talking about uh, somewhere between 80 and 100 ladies that are planning on attending the women's encounter. Encourage you, don't let that stop you. If you're on a waiting list, please get on the waiting list because, um, uh, you know, circumstances happen. If you're supposed to get in, you will. Uh, but I think the guys are up to maybe 50 men, something like that right now, which is a good number. But we'd love to see 80 to 100 men as well. So I encourage you get online again and register for that men's encounter and then right on the heels of the men's encounter coming up this october is the band of brothers event which is our network men's event all the churches from the network of related pastors will be coming uh men from all over the united states and we hope to just blow out the sanctuary this year and be in a, an overflow room situation so we're really encouraging our guys make this a priority it is always a uh, uh, a launch pad for our men into just a great, uh, great fall and new year, you know, as it's, as, as it's just something powerful about being together with that many men worshiping Jesus together. So it's a great thing. We're talking today about, uh, uh, again, our, our book that we've been in, which we encourage you to pick up a copy. It's called Brave New World. Strange no, New World. Strange New World. Brave New World. <laughs> strange New World. Um, a, a paperback book, a small paperback book that, that helps us navigate the craziness that we've been in. And we just ended talking about crazy. All of these theorists we've been talking about are crazy in their own right uh, because of the radical ideas they introduced. But last week when we were together, we talked about Wilhelm Reich mm -hmm. and kind of the merging of... Um, of a Marxism and, and Freud's idea of yeah. people as sexual beings. Talk, talk a little bit about, about his major ideas just to bring us up to speed. I mean, yeah, instead of an economic revolution uh, to liberate the people, just found in kind of the root of Marxism, it's a sexual liberation of the people. What's repressive to people is not just the, it's part of us, it, not just the economic machines or the ruling uh, economic class, but it's traditions and morals um, that's been posed on us by traditional family, by religion, Religion, by customs, and all that needs to be destroyed because that's the oppressor, sure. you know, the patriarchy and whatnot. And once we're liberated from that, then we can be true, truly free, uh, as defined by sexually, uh, sexually free, sexual liberation. Yep. So. so Freud said, if you're mentally sick or you're neurotic or you need help, it's because you're not getting enough sex. That was basically his interpretation. And I think many have bought into that uh, that viewpoint today as we find ourselves in an America that is just radically sexualized even to we talked about some of the strange behavior going on in our schools now where we're introducing just blatant sexual ideas and, and perverseness all the way down to ki kindergarten uh and folks on the other side are looking at us like we're weird or something's wrong with us but we're looking at it like why are we talking about these types of sexual issues with children who that's not even on their radar. I think it's also important for us to kind of re, re refresh what we the, the original thing, which is this radical individualism. Yeah. Um, whether expressive, expressive individualism, individualism yeah. which which basically says your most authentic self is your best self, which we got the idea from Rousseau. But your most authentic self comes from really what how you feel. Yeah. So there's a couple of different things in there. One is you you somehow we define your best the best life, the best for our culture, the best for our society is your quote authentic self defined by your feelings. Sure. So both of those things could be questioned, but you combine those two things and it really lays a foundation for the, the for, for the landscape we see in America today. Sure. Right. And so there, there you have it, you know, just be, be who you want to be, whatever you feel. And of course, a lot of those feelings are sexual in nature. So express your sexuality and anybody, any institution, any person, 
who wants to put any limits on the authentic expression of who you are right. is now the villain. Yep. And, uh, and so we find ourselves, I just posted an article today uh, of a chaplain in Austin, Texas, chaplain for the fire department, who expressed his views outside of the office, you know, just on his webpage or whatever, uh, some of his views about some of the sexual insanity that we're seeing. And he was fired for that. Um, so we're in a cancel culture. Uh, the worst sin you could commit is to speak against the sexual revolution in any way, shape, or form. And um, and I, I believe, again, he's he's suing the city, and I believe he will win because well, it's, a, it's an infringement upon his liberties and his freedom of well, speech. Well, that, that's a great example because when your authentic self is based on your feelings, you, you, you dive into the world of the wild, wild west, which anything goes, right? Yeah, yeah. Because in this case, this chaplain was expressing his authentic self. But his authentic, authentic self, because everyone's based on feeling. There's no right or wrong. It's right. based on whoever's in power. Right. So since he wasn't part of the, quote, the less power, I would say part of the majority, but yeah. less but but of, of of the lesser power regime or whatever, sure. He, uh, he now that now doesn't get to express. Now it. the shoes on the other foot, and so now he's the one that's becoming. He's being oppressed by the oppressors, yeah. but of course that doesn't count um, uh, because it, it only goes one way. Right. The the new tolerance only goes one way, and you, you're going to embrace. Uh, the sexual ethic of our day, or you're going to pay the price. Yeah, and we talked about that, and really encourage believers. Now it is a time to stand up. It's a time to to live your life uh, without fear, to stand up for truth. And um, if we don't stand up now, who knows where all this is going? Well, I would just say, look, but see, people don't stand really about the authentic self. People just like take the argument and carry it down to whatever they want to say right now. Because we can, we as Christians can say, hey, we're expressing our authentic self, but our authentic self is actually based on the Scripture. Right. What God's made is He has given us. A new nature. He's given us we're, we're new creations. Right. So our authentic self is to obey what God's called us to do. We're not pressed under anything. Yeah. We're expressing exactly. who God's Christ has made us to be. And, and and as long as we have a First Amendment enshrined in our Constitution, uh, we're in a good place. As soon as we start throwing out the Constitution or reworking the Constitution, or we decide that freedom of speech is a bad thing then we have reason for concern. But I think people like this that are standing up, especially I encourage everybody at Church Sunday to stand up and to be bold. Um, we have a First Amendment uh, on our side. It's very clear about freedom of religion and freedom of conscience. And uh, so it's important that we use those rights while we have them. But let's talk about, um, you know, the, the the next chapter in the book dealt with the fact that, you know, you look at somebody like, like Reich or Freud or, or uh, Margaret Sanger or, you know, any of these folks that were promoting just a radical... Uh, sexual um, freedom, uh, their views would not have ever been able to become mainstream without some societal preconditions, either in the terms of development of technology or other things that, that we're going to talk about today. In fact, we want to talk about five societal preconditions that really set the stage for some of this stuff to become mainstream. Because uh, it, it moved it out of just the realm of pure ideology or philosophy, which is in one realm, but then you got real life. And for some of these ideas to, to take a, a foothold in culture, there needed to be some uh, technological developments and other things that, that made made their view 
made their viewpoint even livable. Yeah, yeah. In other words, you knew the perfect storm. Yeah. And the perfect storm kind of happened because many of these thinkers in their days, their ideas were, were not taken seriously. Right. In their day. Right. You know, but somehow the remnant of it carried throughout culture and with the perfect storm ended up become popularized and, and basically become normalized. Right. In our so, culture. so ideas need the help of the larger culture to really take root. And, yeah. and so we're going to talk about five of those things that happen or societal preconditions or developments. The first one, talk about this a little bit, moving from a fixed world to a plastic one. Um, <laughs> Even that term, like, yeah. what do you mean by, by, by plastic? <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, but but what you know, we used to live. The author argues we yeah. used to live in a world that was relatively fixed and stable, and so our identity was something. We, if we wanted to find our place in the world, we we kind of just jumped right into to what was more natural, I guess. In other words, like if you lived in a in a, a farming community. You probably never ventured too far out of that community. If your dad was a farmer, then and you grew up taking care of the farm, then you're going to be a farmer. And and you know the the world was just uh, simpler. It was more fixed and more stable. Um, where now they argue that the world is plastic. Well, what does that mean? How does the world become more plastic, yeah, malleable? Pl- yeah, malleable. <clears throat> I think that's a, that's a that's a better way to say it. It just means that we're we're our current world today. I mean, even the probably a couple decades, starting what, three or four decades ago, is now so changeable and movable. And in many ways, it, it went from a fixed world which shapes you to a plastic world in which you shape the world. Sure. And so some of that, we talk about technologi- technological developments yeah. or whatever. Um, one is the fact that we're just more mobile. Uh, almost everybody today can afford an airplane, at least Americans, can yeah. afford an airplane ticket and you can travel somewhere. Um, we go all over the world yeah. uh, on mission trips and things like that. In the past, if, if you were a missionary, you bought a one-way ticket and you got on a, on a boat and you hoped that you survived the trip to wherever you're going and you were not coming back home because it was just too hard, too costly. Nowadays, travel's less expensive. We're able to move more. We're able to see the world more. We, we just have simply more options. Yeah. Uh, we have more choices. And that's a good thing on the one hand. But on the other hand, it's a bad thing as it relates to forming our identity because sometimes more choices means more confusion. And sometimes people get paralyzed by the sheer number of choices that they have. Oh, absolutely. You know, imagine before cars, you didn't really go anywhere. Right. I mean, I'm not even talking about like you mass ma- You're going to probably marry somebody from your neighborhood. From your neighborhood. Um, or you, things like that. Now you have dating services that go global. You can marry yeah. somebody in another country that you've never met before. Yeah, you and, 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 and even exposure ideas. You know, you can get media from anywhere in the world. You know, back then, you maybe get the local newspaper. Sure. Know, and that's all you hear. And, and you were always facing certain diseases that, you know, whether it was polio or other things that, that had ability to shape your life or destroy your life. Of course, now with, with scientific development, we're, we're, we're living longer. We have more choices. We have more wealth. Uh, we have more economic freedom to do things with the money that we have. Uh, and again, we said these, these are good things on the one hand, but as it relates to the self, it creates this, this false image that basically I don't have to fit into the world. I have the ability to create the world. Yeah. Whereas before I wanted, to, I wanted to go, okay, where is my place in the world? Help me find my place in the world. Now it's like, no, the world is at my fingertips, at least the illusion. Right. I control the world. I control my choices. I can shape the world to be what I want it to yeah. be. And, and I... 
I was talking to you about this earlier. This is self by by itself is not necessarily a negative thing, you know. I mean, it can become negative. It can, right. can become. We can start deifying ourselves or uh, create idols, obviously. But there is a there is a degree of the Lord said to us, like you know, take yeah, take the over cu- cultural dominion. Yeah, okay. cultural dominion. Take over the world and you know, yeah. perform, multiply, and mold yeah. the world, shape the world, and you know, create. You know, there's a degree of godliness to that. But this in itself was a precondition to all the our right. mental change, right? Right. right. Second thing. Well, I, I would say yeah. without God in this context, right. if you take God out of that this equation, then things become then we become our own God, right. and that's kind of what that means. Another to. example he talked about, which I thought was really good, was just take the area of music. So now we have technology. Yeah. We used to, if you wanted to enjoy music before, it was a public thing. It's a communal thing. You, yeah, you had to go to uh, the the choir concert, the the. What's the word I'm looking for? The uh, orchestra, yeah. whatever. Now we have all these young people walking around uh, with headphones on, yeah. listening to the, their own personal song list yeah. that they've downloaded, created uh, at, at whenever they want it. And so it's not unusual. Like you see a, a baseball team or something traveling, everybody's walking together in a group, but nobody is experiencing community. They're all in their own private world, yeah. uh, listening to whatever they want to listen to. And it's just, again, not that that's necessarily bad. Yeah. But it feeds into that radical, uh, expressive individual. Yeah, he was even talking before orchestras or concert. It was just like a tribe getting together, and then you play music for other people to enjoy. Like, there's no point in playing music for you know for yourself. It was kind of a, to so other people can hear you, other people can enjoy. Right. Music by nature is, is communal, right? In traditional, in the very beginning, right? right. But now it's become very individualized. Yeah, very individualized. Yeah. So the, the second thing he talks mm-hmm. about, which is, this is a huge one, is the collapse of traditional authority. We've seen the locus of authority move from outside sources to inner feelings, mm-hmm. to self. I'm my authority. What I feel is my authority. There used to be major institutions that helped uh, shape who we were. Mm-hmm. The first one is the church. Mm-hmm. And he talks about the fracturing of the church and how, for instance, if you you grew up, you know, 500 years ago, you had a church in your community, yeah. right? It was probably the Catholic church. And that's where everybody went because there was only one church, not one Christian church. Now we have a smorgasbord of denominations. Again, that's not either good nor bad. There's a reason for that. But the point is, there's more choices again. Um, he was talking about Martin Luther create competition for the Catholic Church. <laughs> exactly. I was like, yeah. well, that's an interesting way to put it. I've never seen it that way before. Now there's McDonald's and Burger King. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Which okay. one are you yeah. going to go? So uh, again, we're not saying that's a bad thing, but what right. that did is it created a, a collapse of Well, now there's a, a splintering in authority, yeah. which only gets splintered more. And right. then, you, then you deal with uh, the cultural despisers of religion who are constantly... Attacking the church, attacking people as hypocrites, uh, presenting the the ideas of the church as implausible or idiotic, yeah, unscientific, and, yeah, unscientific. And so there's just this constant attack on the church as a basis for authority uh, in our culture today. And we don't help ourselves, right? When there's when there's a. Uh, uh, Slant, uh, 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 wickedness in the church when when pastors are falling, uh, morally fail, moral failures, financial failures. I mean, we're not helping ourselves. When uh, I, I will say one thing though, the hypocrisies of the church is pulling headlines that everyone, everyone see. But when there's hypocrisy in the church of scientism, when there's uh, right, when there's the hypocrisy in 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 this. Uh, oh, we want socialism for everyone, but I'm going to buy my billion dollar mansion. You know, the, it's just this. 
it, we're all we all fallen people, and I think that's. So I'm just kind of pushing no, back a little bit on that. No, I get I, it. It's magnified. <laughs> it's magnified because we are supposed to be the, uh, the the ones who hold up the standard of righteousness. And when there's scandalous behavior inside the church, right. I get it. But the problem is too, there's scandalous behavior. Yeah, because right now, in that now the new moral moral arbiters of our culture are having their own scandals and they're being called out too. So, so it's, it's just interesting how that shifts. And, that, and again, the encouragement for us as a church is to be authentic, is to admit that we fail. And when we make mistakes to be like, yeah, we own up to it. You know? I think you're talking about like, what about the Epstein scandals? What about all oh, the people yeah. that went on it? Oh, yeah. We still haven't heard any exposure or, of any uh, of those folks. So, yeah, exactly. so, so it's selected, but, but the point is still well taken. There's been an absolute assault on these traditional sources of authority, the church being one. Let's talk a little bit about the traditional nuclear family because some sure. of the some of the sure. folks we've talked about in recent episodes hated the nuclear family, attacked the nuclear yeah. family, and saw that as a major problem. So sure. once again, we've had these cultural despisers who are going after the family and basically trying to portray it as a, a place of oppression and uh, dysfunction. Well, I, I think one of the great examples he share and you guys are all aware of this you know even if you watch tv shows yeah there's rarely any shows or movies that has a strong father figure okay right. most of these fathers or a healthy, show, marriage, healthy marriage yep. most of these father figures are just doofus you know they're yep. <laughs> they're just goofballs yeah. they, they, they're objects they're, of uh, people's laughing yeah they're kids i'm saying immature kids who just you know yeah uh or they're abusive or whatever it is you know and why are they why why do they and we all study have shown the strong family unit mm-hmm. having a strong father you know uh a healthy marriage yeah. makes a society better, makes the kids better. But why is there such a push against that portrayal in media yep. because of this issue? And, and I always like to point out Hollywood, you know, when have you, when's the last time you saw a movie, uh, a romantic, uh, you know, movie mm-hmm. where the romance centered on a, a husband and wife having a great relationship? Usually it's some illicit affair, yeah. you know, uh, one night stand, whatever. Um, but where is marital uh, you know, happiness ever portrayed or marital romance portrayed in a way where people right. go, oh, I want to be married so I can have a great relationship like right. that. You never see it. And yet there are those relationships out there all over America and the world, but you don't see it. So there's an attack on on the family. Yeah. There's an attack church. on the church. And the third one, and this is huge. We saw this, especially in the last couple of years. There has been an attack on our nation. You know, you used to find your identity uh, in saying, hey, I'm an American and and I'm a proud American or wherever country you came from. And there was almost a national script. You know, there was a patriotism that people ascribe to, uh, uh, even songs, I'm proud to be an American, you know. Um, But all of that kind of national um, uh, fire in our hearts has been has been watered down, uh, whereas now we, our nation is attacked, the founding of our nation is attacked, the founders themselves are attacked, yep. and there's just a lot of vitriol and poison being poured out uh, in America as it relates to our kind of our national script, like our national narrative that we used to all, right. the heroes we used to hold in common and yeah. those types of things. I'll give you one example for that. The word patriot. Patriotism, patriotism is no longer is sometimes seen as a bad word, or is used yeah, to yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. to to make fun of people. Yeah, the right? FBI and, and some of these areas get memos, and, and patriot is a yeah. is a code word now that's used for extremism. Or national nationalistic. Yeah. You know, I remember years ago I was overseas doing missions, and there was a there was a young lady, a Canadian lady, and we were talking about whatever issue, and she was just like, "Why do you need? Why is why is patriotism important?" 
why why do you want to be patriotic to your own nation? And she made the comment. I was just like, wow. And I couldn't quite answer her because to me, I never even questioned it. Yeah, it was just something that was a part of your a guts. Part of who, yeah. you know, your God put you with a certain group of people and there's a degree of loyalty to to what God's given you and you want to protect those around you. You want to protect your family, you know? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, this is your team. Well, it's like I a sense it, of loyalty to I your team. I find it interesting that even a lot of the uh, Christian magazines in, uh, in the evangelical world are coming out warning against Christian nationalism. Yeah. Almost like... It's a bad thing. Like loving Jesus and loving your country uh, are bad. Like you can't do both. And I understand the extreme of that. But in general, Christian people used to be the greatest patriots because we loved not only God, but we loved our country. And we're committed to both. Right. Uh, but anymore, that becomes a suspect term. Um, and so, again, it's an attack on our nation, our national identity. And, and, you know, a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. So if you have a nation, this is why the biggest argument against critical race theory is why are we teaching our kids to hate their country and to hate and to hate other people? Um, how in the world can a nation survive if, if you don't love the nation that you're a part of? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just insane, but that's, that's where we're at today. So, so this attack on traditional authority. Third area. Well, let's, let me just say yeah, real quick, uh, and this one's huge because you, we used to find a degree, a large degree of our, of our identity in those three things: in your family, yep. in your church. religion, your church, your, your your religious community, and in your in your your nation. Yeah, you know, uh, tradition. That's where we find our identity. So right. you just stripped away three major areas of where we we place our identity. Yeah. Okay. Uh, three major, I'm gonna say, unifiers. So now what's going to fill the vacuum, you know? Yeah, so that's they, a good word, unifiers. Don't, don't, we, we were basically a, a Christian nation who believed in, in God mm-hmm. and honored, honored the Bible. We, we had a love for family and an honor for mothers and fathers and grandparents, etc. Yeah. Uh, and we had a love for, what's the third or first one we talked about? Church, uh, nation, and family. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, so anyway, those were unifiers because right. that was a common script we had. When you throw mm-hmm. away those three areas... We're, we're like fluid. We're, we're flying in midair. We're, we're in the plastic culture again. Yeah. Um, uh, a smorgasbord of, of ideas. And I'm going to go a little conspiracy theories on you real quick. But, um, <laughs> but, but when, you, when, you, when you look at a large picture, when you do that for not just the United States, but for every nation and every people group in the world, yeah. what do you have? You, you create a globalistic. Now, now, in many ways, it emulates the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is the ultimate unifier. It's really the transcendent force. Um, right. But 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 in replacing of the kingdom of God, there's a there is a dark kingdom, the globalist kingdom, sure. the globalist mentality. So when you erode all these adhesive uh, 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 forces within the nation states, where their allegiance to their allegiance to Facebook, allegiance to whatever ideology expressed through social media. So now you create this 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 uh, uh, ubiquitous. Uh, force that's throughout all the world, really ruled by some elites, and and that's a man. That's a dark goal, man. That's but that's also an ingenious goal to re, to retain power and uh, authority. As we said, it's it's a satanic goal because yeah. Satan is real and the demonic world is real, and it copies. It always tries to copy what is true. It, it, never, it never creates anything. And so right. Christ and his kingdom, which is going to become a global reality, yeah. uh, is is always counterfeited the, by the enemy. Yeah. And so it's not a conspiracy theory. It, yeah. it, it, is, it is demonic powers working towards that utopian dream, which has been with us well, all the way back. We've been to talking about the utopian. Yeah, I mean, yeah. so exactly. It's t- 
Power Babel 2.0. So if you have eyes to see, so you roll these ba- boundaries that's been placed to kind of keep the separation of power, who will become the powerful is the global elites. And that's so exactly what they're doing. So it should not surprise us that, that the attack on the nation, the attack on the family, and the attack on the church are all very intentional. I don't know if they're well orchestrated, if there's some big plot. That's where the conspiracy comes in. <laughs> but, but, but the, yes, but, the, but Satan certainly knows what he's going yeah. after. It just it fits the worldview. It fits what I see in the culture today. That's at least what I see. So. Yeah. All right, let's hit the last three here very quickly. Talk about the loss of the sacred order. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, cultures have traditionally justified their moral orders, uh, which is a set of values that they organize themselves with or that they used to regulate what human behavior should be or shouldn't be uh, by appealing to something transcendent. So in other words, you know, we would say, well, why is homosexuality wrong? Well, because the Bible, you know, that's what I've been trying to do on Sunday is here's what God says. Now, so let me ask you this question. Is this behavior should this behavior be celebrated? And if God forbids it, then the answer, of course, is no. You shouldn't celebrate that behavior. I'm, I'm appealing to a transcendent moral order. I'm saying that God has spoken and that we need to follow what God says. Mm-hmm. If you throw out the transcendent moral agency or mm-hmm. order, where do people find moral rights and wrongs from? Well, I mean, we've been talking about this for yeah. many, many times. Basically, when you lose the transcendent, it becomes might means right. right. Whoever has the largest microphone, whoever has the most money, whoever has the biggest gun right. wins that battle. And people need to have uh, understand how important it is to lose that to lose that transcendence. Yep. But but here's the deal is when you, when you don't believe in God, you don't you're not a Christian, that transcendence is so intimidating because when you acknowledge the transcendent, you're almost acknowledging that there is accountability. Sure. So it comes with all kind of baggage uh, if you acknowledge the transcendent, you know? Well, and, and think about this. We've, we've rejected that for many generations now. Yeah. So when I'm up Sunday preaching about sexual expression being confined within the marriage covenant, I know when I'm saying that, that the larger culture, if they were sitting in our church service, would be laughing yeah. out loud. Like, you got to be kidding me. What a joke. Of course, that was the same culture that Paul was dealing with in Corinth. That wasn't their values. It's not the values of most of the world. But that's what the Bible teaches. But, of course, that's been jettisoned a long time ago. And that view is mocked and ridiculed. That's why anything goes. And so we find ourselves again, how in the world could could somebody like Reich and his ideas be be accepted in mainstream society? Well, you can't accept it until you throw out the sacred moral right. order. And, and the way I kind of share, ever talk to people about this is, well, okay, you don't believe my transcendent. What is your transcendent order? Because yeah, whatever you, you're speaking of, you're, you, don't, you might not think it, you might not understand it, but deep in your heart, that's what you understood yeah, as. Everybody has. As a transcendent order. Some moral yeah. code that they're appealing to. Yeah. It's either transcendent or it's you or some and, other. And by you speaking it and you yeah. find the value to impose it upon me or find me and fire me for it, you better believe is is a transcendence to a certain degree because how dare you impose it on me if it's just your personal opinion. Sure. And you, if it's just, if you truly believe it's just your personal opinion, it really doesn't have any type of uh, power authority to impose on other people, then you wouldn't even... Yeah, you wouldn't open your mouth in the yeah, first place. exactly. You know, so. and, and this is something, when you, when you throw out a transcendent 
moral standard, it creates a vacuum. Yep. And you heard the phrase, you know, nature abhors a vacuum. Something's going to fill that vacuum. Right. And usually it, it results in tyranny. Yeah. People have this crazy idea, oh, just live and live and let no, be, right? You know, happens. whatever people yeah. want to be, just, just let them do it. But that doesn't work in reality. Some, some absolute power will fill that vacuum. And, and we've seen history repeat itself. It always ends up in tyranny and destruction. Well, and that's what annoys me. It, it's, it's not that you're arguing me on the basis of this issue we're talking about. You're saying, hey, it's stupid for you to believe in God. God does not exist. By the way, I'm going to give you my God instead. And that's what that's the that's the bait and switch that that, that just bothers me. It's like right. you're not even arguing me saying what my God is saying. God, <laughs> you're saying there shouldn't be a God. Meanwhile, you're going to present to me your own God. It just, right. You know, well, and the God yeah. becomes uh, pragmatism in many areas because what happens is uh, you just do whatever works. But, uh, but but even that becomes so confusing because agenda overrides. I mean, as we've seen the whole COVID vaccine situation, whatever works isn't necessarily whatever works. is whatever makes the most money or whatever right, right. communicates the best wealth. End of the day, you say it was all about the science, all about pragmatism. Well, look at our culture today. How much of it is really about the science? How much is really about works? You know? And... and so, I mean, just recently the CDC came out and, and made some crazy admissions about uh, their treatment of COVID and the maxing mandates and all these different things. It's like, why? And, and they even admitted, why is it? Because they have internal issues. Because it isn't about what always works sometimes. Right. Because it, your, your judgment is clouded. Right. So, pragmatism you, you has people say unpractical morals. Hey, bro, you know, you might be witnessing yeah. uh, and sharing Christ with me. And I might say to you, hey, whatever works for you. Oh, right. That's, for, that's for, works for practical you, right. pragmatism, right? right? Just hey, yeah. And when it comes to morals, what, dude, whatever works for you. Yeah. Um, but again, that doesn't work on the macro level. It, right. do, it doesn't right. last very long before right. it, it, it devolves into tyranny. Let's talk about the fourth big area, contraception, pornography, and sex in general. You know, so here's Wil, uh, Wilhelm Reich basically saying you need to express yourself sexually, however inner, your inner desires, whatever those sexual desires are, express them. Well, there was kind of a problem back in his day because if you expressed yourself sexually, uh, as as God has ordered things, a man and woman come together and have sex, you're you're probably going to produce a child, yep. and that child uh, would come with a lot of uh, responsibility. And uh, and then it probably wouldn't bode well for you if you're running around impregnating everybody's sister because yeah. the sisters have brothers and dads right. and they would probably not appreciate that right. that you're you're leaving this child without a father and and uh, without financial support so you probably wouldn't live long uh, if you acted that way right. so sex and and procreation obviously go together as they should as God intended which is why He created marriage um, but contraception did something to sever sex and procreation. It basically said you could have sex and just enjoy the pleasure of sex without the unintended consequences yeah. of conception and having a kid to take care of. Yeah. And, uh, and so again, none of these ideas would have worked if you were not somehow able to remove the unintended consequences right. of sex. Right. And so that was a massive societal development that really for these folks, liberating right. sexuality from marriage and procreation right. and put it strictly in the realm of personal pleasure. And then privatizing uh, and mainstreaming pornography. Uh, sure. again, so, it's just, so now we use technology, yeah, technology again because you used to have to go to the CD 
porn store to buy the magazine and what if somebody saw you now you can just simply in the privacy of your own home with one click you're you're looking at sexual images um and and the stigma the stigma of it uh, is no longer there it's just another form of recreation for many people anyway uh, we made the comment, or they made the comment in the book that I thought was good, that it's, it's, uh, uh, pornography is about bodies, not faces. Right. In other words, we completely depersonalize it. It, it becomes just about my physical pleasure. And if it's about my physical pleasure, any body will do. Right. I don't need to know the body. I don't need to face the body. Just any body will work to make me feel good. And it really is the actualization of what for it advocate what he's saying is is, is is it's a fulfillment of him of what he of what he says we need or what his his vision his idealization of human happiness exactly you know? exactly but that wouldn't so, have happened without technology yeah. and, and without the the creation of uh, birth control and some of these yeah, other things so internet and all that stuff, smartphones. Let, let's go to the last yeah. one quickly in the time we have left um and and he called it in the book the revolt of the elites he says the traditional role of the elite, you know, culture and society was the transmission of values from one generation to the next. So, for mm-hmm. instance, um, the church, part of the church's role was to transmit faith and pass faith from one generation to the next. Mm-hmm. So we're going to instill a healthy living faith in the, the younger generation. Yeah. Um, the state. Actually, part of their job was to create patriotism. Yeah, that we raised up people who were states statesmen, people yeah. who were patriots, people who loved their country. Right. Um, we talk about the family, uh, creating a respect for moms and dads and grandma and grandpa and and multiple generations. Right. Um, education. We believe that there was wisdom to be gleaned from the past, mm-hmm. and that our job was to shape students to be good citizens, and that and that they didn't come born good citizens. They yeah. had to learn from great thinkers and great ideas from the past, from heroes and heroines from the past, and be shaped to be good students. So these were the, these were the roles, uh, and there was a sense of obligation that, that you were taught. Like, if you're going to live in America, this is what it means to be a good American. Or, you know what I'm saying? There, yeah. there's, a, there's an obligation, a responsibility placed upon us right. to be part of the larger you know, community. Um, all of this has changed to where... All of these institutions now are actually working in, a, in almost in a mode of self-destruction. Mm-hmm. Um, the direct opposite of what they were created to do is happening. And so we see this aggressive negativity toward the past and toward the past values and past beliefs. And, and one area we talked about was corporate America. I mean, corporate America used to be known as conservative. Um, conservative values, family values, capital, free market capitalism. Yeah. Man, that is gone. I, corporate America now is attacking the family, attacking traditional beliefs, attacking traditional sexual codes and standards, and funding all kinds of this, you know, radical uh, individualism, expressive individualism that, that goes against the church, against the family, against the state, um, and it's and it's just been a massive global transformation. Yep. Those who used to be our friends are now actively working to destroy us uh, if, you're, if you're holding a traditional Christian worldview. Yep. How do we explain this? He didn't go into too much, uh, as we talked about, he didn't go into too much explanation in the book. 
He um, did talk about the Indiana Religious Freedom he Restoration did. He Act. He did. And, and just, just and, to reverse, because uh, we were on the cutting edge of that. Yeah, I remember that. That RIFRA uh, bill was passed to protect... Christian business owners' rights to be able to, right. to bring their yeah to bring their faith and to express their faith through their business. Of yep. course, it was colliding with the LGBT mm-hmm. uh, movement and ideology, and we can understand why. Um, but we passed this amazing bill, and then what happened was this onslaught. It was a national onslaught of corporate America, yep. the media, and what I call the LGBT mafia, because yep. those are the ones driving the agenda. And they just started going after our governor, going after our state. We were backwards. We were stupid. We were Neanderthals. We were yep. bigots. And then corporate America basically said, if you don't, if you don't go along with our agenda and reverse this bill, we're going to leave and we're going to cause economic hardship. Right? We're going to we're going to yep. destroy you economically. There are all kinds of threats about lost business. And we and by the way, we just saw it again. I want to point out to our listeners, this is all a bunch of baloney, because when you stand for righteousness, your nation is blessed, and all these corporate uh, entities are not leaving the uh, the state because we stood for righteousness. It, these, but these are all vague and veiled threats. But the point is, why? Mm-hmm. This was just people trying to say, we should have the right to live out our beliefs. But there's been a radical uh, progressive leftist agenda that has been embraced by corporate America. Yep. E- even now, the, the state chambers of commerce are not our friends no, anymore. They're that, not. They are they are pushing again. They're, they're the ones that are behind, you know, uh, sex transitioning, gender transitioning behavior, uh, the hospitals. Uh, I mean, it, it's crazy. So, um, the, the, I guess just to summarize, these are all massive uh, preconditions for this uh, ideological perspective to actually find traction. Uh, and, uh, and so we need to be aware of these things. Um, I, I think specifically, you talk about elites, you talk about business elites. Now, a lot of this, these tech giants from California, not much I can say about that, but I think a lot of these corporate elites, again, that's a passion of my heart because corporation has really went from when I saw the RIFLA, RIFLA in Indiana, it really hit me hard because I, I generally thought a lot of these businesses were supportive of conservative causes. Yeah. But that was like a rude awakening. And since then, it's been cascading just crazy. Well, look at Pride Month. I mean, every major corporation has to bow yeah. and they have to somewhere in their store display a banner or say that they're, you know, that they're on board. Yeah. Um, and I, I've been wondering what's the reason behind that, and partially because I was naive. But I think one big issue is where they're hiring from is from higher institutions that has been just Pushing really the agenda. they're the profits for these values and agenda. So, so yeah, you bring up a good point. That that is the new uh, priesthood, right? Uh, of orthodoxy. It's a, theo- it's a uh, seminary for yeah. the, it's Harvard, Yale, your MITs. That's the seminary for all these different ideologies. But I think the second issue is, again, you and I talked about a little bit, is um, it's because become the corporate America has become so utilitarian in terms of money. Yeah. Money is the end goal. And yeah. this is their way of attracting whatever that coveted crowd from 18 to whatever 45 age range. And, and that's what they think will draw the most financial success. They're bought into this whole utopian idea of the escalator myth. And this is inevitable. You want to be a right side of history. And they buy into that idea. And this is why it's so important for, for kingdom business to re- recognize that the goal for kingdom business is not profit, it's people. 
And how do you develop people the no, best? And, and I see the wisdom of Jesus when he said you cannot serve God and mammon. Yeah. At the end of the day, if you're not living for a transcendent Savior, Jesus Christ the Lord, yeah. you're going to sell out to something that is in the here and now. And for most people, it's money and all that money can buy. So you see a, a corporate selling out of, of values, of righteousness. Uh, and then you get an ugly, you get a crony capitalism, you yep. get a very selfish... Big allegiance between crony capitalism, big government, yeah. and big media. Yep. And then, and then guess what happened? The people rebel. And then now people are like, oh, that's what happened in Marxism. And that's what... I mean, it's the history just kind of keep repeating itself, yep. you know? And the only solution to this is kingdom. We're not saying we want socialism. We want capitalism, but capitalism under the banner of kingdom so people focus on people. Process. Prosperity with a, with purpose. a purpose, absolutely, amen. And that's the real solution to this stuff. Yeah. So anyway, I, I feel like these are some some good things everybody can recognize that are happening around yeah. us, and we need to be aware of these yeah. things. And um, and as you said, the solution is promoting a kingdom worldview, yeah. the gospel of the kingdom, which touches every aspect of life, and that's what a biblical worldview has to offer. So, and that's why we're doing this podcast. Yeah. So, thanks for tuning in. Uh, until we see you again next Thursday, uh, we love to hear your comments, love your feedback, and we so appreciate it when you share this with as many of your friends uh, as possible. Again, thank you for the privilege of sharing this time with you. Have a great week.